Sam Krizlovich, the, the sporting director from the MacArthur Bulls. We'll take a break when we come back. Simon Hill, the voice of the game down under, coming up. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. State of our football nation, Lockie Flanagan is running the console. I'm uh, alongside him. Uh, welcome. If you're watching us uh, on Facebook, I, I'm the one, I'm the one with the Paris Saint Germain gear. Uh, you're in. What colour is that? I think it's orange, but it's not quite as suave as your PSG uh, Jordan release. That orange. That looks like brown. That looks like almost uh, one maybe, of those colours. That, maybe that this, might thought... a, this might be an off-air discussion. <laughs> Um, you've got a, a, a special guest uh, and you've got him in the waiting room. I think it's uh, an opportunity to introduce him. Yeah, and he's uh, he's waited very patiently, so we appreciate him uh, hanging around for us. None other than the uh, the voice of football here in Australia. I'm sure he's uh, getting tired of maybe hearing people refer to him as that, but uh, we love him all the same. Uh, Simon Hill, a warm welcome to you. Thanks, guys. No, it's uh, it's always nice to hear Always that. fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon, uh, congratulations. You had a tremendous uh, uh, opportunity last night to talk about the game in Brisbane. You want to just run us past uh, for yeah. those who didn't catch up. You had a chance to do something that uh, not all of us get a chance to do. That is mixed with some wonderful players from the past uh, and talk about something very, very special. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I was invited to MC um, a centenary event, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Socceroos, um, launch of a book called Burning Ambition, uh, co-authored by Trevor Thompson, formerly the ABC, and Nick Goth, who's <laughs> a historian who now lives in London, Queen's Park Rangers supporter. Um, and it's all about the story, essentially, of, of that first test series in 1922 between New Zealand and Australia. Um, and there were quite a few ex-Socceroos in attendance last night, including the likes of Cole Bennett, uh, Frank Farina, John Cosmina, um, Jade North was there. Um, and, and one or two others, and representatives of Alec Gibbs family. Now, Alec Gibb, I'm sure you're aware, was the first ever Socceroos captain in that uh, first test against New Zealand, 1922. Um, so his grandchildren, um, Ross Williams and Rachel Moen, were there last night, along with his great-grandson, Benjamin Williams. How fabulous, how fabulous. Yeah, and the, the thing that I years. learned afterwards was that uh, Rachel Moen's son was Ben Moen, who actually captained the Wallabies as well. So that's, that's quite a sporting... I was going to say that, that, that's quite some pedigree. Yeah. You're, you're talking about real sporting uh, DNA. That's fantastic yeah. stuff. What was, the, what was the feeling for you uh, having this opportunity what, from the Socceroos who were there... Um, what was the um, – uh, I'm trying to understand if, if they're, they're as excited as so many others are about what uh, the game is trying to do, and that is pay homage to the past, acknowledge some great people that played the game. And, you know, I remember every time I speak to Ted Smith, he takes me back to that wonderful time in 56 when the Australian team, you know, had an opportunity to create – uh, some some great history at the Olympics, and it was marginalised and compromised by the fact that um, they they basically picked a team out of two states, you know, because mm. that was how it worked at the time, 
and most well, of the money. Well, it was, it was the same in 1922. Wow, it was the same in 1922. It was only. Uh, new, it was only Queensland and New South Wales, which is why they actually played in sky blue jerseys. Sky blue being of New South Wales, yeah, yeah. of course, with the maroon trim for for Queensland. Now, <laughs> the other states were invited to to you know to contribute. Yep. Um, I think South Australia at the time said they couldn't afford it. Victoria did have a bit of money, but opted against it. Wow. Um, so, you know, even in those days, and some things don't change, 100 years <laughs> old, you know, we've still got politics that are uh, – and I think there was a lot of politics about how the, the team was chosen as well. So that there were eight New South Welshmen and eight Queenslanders that oh. went on the tour. Uh, originally, a New South Welshman in Alan Fisher was chosen as, as the captain. Um, but before the official test started, they played some tour games, of course, very much in the mode of, you know, cricket tour games yeah, yeah. of the past. And Al- Alan Fisher decided that Alec Gibb would be a better captain. Um, so he handed over the armband. I'm not even sure they wore an armband in those days. But uh, yeah, so it's it, look, it's fascinating to learn all this history. And I think, you know, I've, I've only been in Australia for 20 years, but the history of this game has always fascinated me since mm. the, the day I arrived because nobody seemed to know a too much about it and B didn't really want to talk about it. It was almost like we were a bit embarrassed about it. And I found that baffling to be honest. So I have been a keen student of it. I don't pretend to know as, as much as, you know, people who've lived here all their lives, yeah. but I do know that we are particularly poor cur- curators and tellers of our own stories. So, you know, to to have this opportunity, and this is only obviously a very small part of of Australian football's history in this country, but it's an important part nonetheless. And, you know, John Cosmina, who I interviewed last night, um, now I asked him a question last night because, of course, as you, I'm sure you know, he scored the first ever National Soccer League goal in 1977 for West Adelaide against Canberra. And that was at Monica Oval in Canberra. And I said, have you ever been invited back is there anything there is there a plaque or some commemoration because not only was it the first goal because it was the first game as well of the old national soccer league no nothing absolutely nothing and this is a story that it you know echoes right across the country uh, a journalistic friend of mine michael kane tried to do a story on Adamstown rosebud who you might remember won the nsl cup in 1984 their biggest and only ever senior trophy and guess what they don't know where the trophy is. They lost it. Nobody, and it's the same story across the country. You remember the story of the Australia Cup that was found in a, in a rubbish tin? Yep, correct. At the Harkoa Club. I mean, this, this is how we treat the history of our game in this country. And it, it's extraordinary. I mean, it, it would be laughable if it didn't make me so irritated. And thankfully, we're starting to try and put this right a little bit. And a lot of credit should go to Benita Mercedes, who runs yeah. Fair Play Publishing. She's publishing a lot of these books that are telling these stories. Uh, but still, people really, in general, have no clue. Uh, no. You know, and, and I'm sure you've had the same conversations, George, down the years. You speak to people and they go, oh, you know, football or soccer, as people invariably call it, um, you know, that they, uh, they think it's a new game, that it started in the 50s <laughs> yeah, with no, the migrant no, clubs. No. It's, it's just simply not true. The, the, Australian, um, the Australian rules people have uh, been very, very good at a narrative, providing a narrative yes. and enriching Historical everybody. revisionism. Yes, oh, <laughs> they're marvellous at it. And, you know, uh, I can't knock them because, you know, it shows you what you can do with almost nothing. Uh, yeah. So imagine now what we can do 
with with what we have. And I'm reminded that the world is going to come under, uh, you know, next year. And this, you know, two nations, Australia and New Zealand, that have sporting pedigree like very few other nations around the world, because that's Correct. how it's been, uh, will have a chance to uh, open their cities up and showcase some wonderful, wonderful experiences. And I hope that every one of those is gold, you know, and um, it, it, it just means an awful lot. Now, speak to me about um, some more gold because um, you've, you've, you've been now, you know, this, through this first painful year, this transfer from what was Fox TV to uh, free-to-air television and, and streaming TV, uh, Network Ten. Well I, well, I didn't go through that personally because no, no, I wasn't you, that fault no, no. But you've been through this first year of Network <laughs> yes. Ten and uh, Paramount Plus, yeah. and it's been, you know, it's come with all the attendant problems that we saw emerge or or fall on everybody when Optus came into the game and bought just about everything that uh, was meaningful and said to the world, "Here we are. We're going to show you some of the best football in the world." And then, of course, we couldn't see a thing. They bought the World Cup and they couldn't deliver it, so it, so it was offered to back to SBS for nothing, so that they wouldn't uh, embarrass just about everybody. But uh, this year, um, I believe you guys have had a, a lot of things, uh, you know, going against you. There, as I said before, mitigating circumstances and COVID had a deep, deep, deep um, uh, challenge. Mm. Uh, and I remember, as I said to you once before. Uh, Jeff Bullock said to me, we don't know where we're going. We can't get the crews out there because the, the borders are closed. So, okay, yeah. let's throw that yeah. out of the way. What's coming up? What's next? Are you guys getting ready for what promises to be? And I mean this, a full season of APL unencumbered and with some real air in their sails. Well, as we speak today, I mean, I'm not because we're in the off season and uh, some of us are having a little bit of a break, um, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> which, which obviously we, you know, we, we could do with. Um, we've got some exhibition games coming up, obviously, uh, over the next week or so, which uh, uh, got the immediate attention, you know, the likes of Aston Villa, Leeds, Manchester United. Uh, one or two others, Crystal Palace, I think, are here as well. So I'm, I'm going to be calling a couple of those games. But once the dust settles on, on all that and we've had a bit of a break and I'm, I'm heading off to the UK uh, for a bit of a holiday after that. Safe uh, travels. And then we'll settle down. To, thank you. And then we'll – and I'll watch a bit of Premier League, of course, whilst I'm over there. Rub it in. Go on, rub it in. It sounds like you're being forced to watch the Premier League. Can you imagine? Simon Hill forced to watch the EPL. If I have to watch the Premier League. What's that ground do you think he might go to first? I think it's pretty short odds. It's probably one game. It's good. Eddie had surely. Yeah, surely it'll be. It, well, actually, it won't be. Oh, it'll, oh. <laughs> I, I can tell you that the first stadium I'll be going to, well, hopefully, if I can get a ticket, is the King Power because they're playing the Charity Shield or the Community Shield. I still call oh, it the Charity yes. Shield. Yeah, yeah. They're playing the Community Shield game in Leicester because, of course, Wembley is being used for the Women's Euros. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I'm hoping I'm going to get a ticket for that. Uh, I am certainly going to be at uh, the Olympic Stadium, London Stadium, for the first weekend of the Premier League season with uh, City being away at West Ham. Uh, and then I've got tickets for the home game against Bournemouth. <laughs> I can see Stuart Thomas uh, pumping the air there because he's a West Ham fan. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to get to see a few games, but obviously I want a bit of a break. And just to answer your original question, you know, once we get back from all that, we will start. I mean, the planning will be in process now for the new season. And, you know, it was a tough year last year. There's no getting away from that. No. COVID was very, very difficult. It, yeah. it moved the schedules all over the place. 
which meant that I think the narrative for the supporters was largely lost. And, and that's unfortunate. Yep, that's, true. that's not to say that, you know, there weren't some teething problems um, with the service as well. We know that. Um, I'm, I'm told that those problems are going to be addressed. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm a match commentator, so that's not really uh, my department. It's not your bag. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I would hope that next season we will have a much better year all round. And, you know, it's not just uh, 10 and Paramount Plus that's got to step up to the plate. It's also the APL and the clubs. You know, they promised us some marquee players, better marketing, uh, a better schedule, obviously, yep. which, you know, hopefully they'll get without the, the, the pandemic interfering. Um, and we've got the World, the World Cup and the Women's World Cup at the top and tail of it. So it's an exciting 12 months uh, to come. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to bring it to you. And, you know, the, the other thing, just to close off this particular part of the conversation is, you know, when things go wrong, it hurts us as much as, as everybody else does. Because at, at heart, we're football fans. I mean, you, you know, you won't find much more of a passionate football supporter than me. I mean, I've been having arguments on Twitter today about <laughs> you know, where the money's going uh, for the Olympics and it should be going to football in Brisbane and it's not. But anyway, uh, so, we, you know, we, we're desperate to get things right and to provide uh, the service that, you know, the league needs. Uh, but it's a partnership and uh, everybody's got to do their bit. Yeah, and uh, the audience has got to come to the party as well. True. Uh, no point saying we want free-to-air or streaming television or access to the games and then not, ac- ac- not access them. I mean, it's yeah. very simple. You know, Football you, fans you want... are very hard to please in this country. Oh, you yeah. know that, George. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, Simon, speaking of um, you know football fans having to, to come to the party, do you, do you feel as though this, um, this marquee approach that's being mooted looks as though we will see some, uh, some pretty significant names apply their trade down under? Do you think that is Cis going to, to go a long way to, to bringing those kind of uh, you know, fickle, critical people uh, back watching uh, the game on free-to-air? Look, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Um, you know, Marquis, and we've seen this in the past with Del Piero, oh, yeah. uh, Shinji Ono, uh, Emil Heskey, Robbie Fowler to a certain degree. Um, they, they can put bums on seats in the short term, but longer term, there is no quick fix uh, to getting this league to where it needs to go. Yep. And that means uh, winning over hearts and minds long term. The old saying is, you know, you support the badge on the front of the shirt, not the name on the back. And that's what we need to get longer term. Uh, now, you look at where Sydney FC are at at the moment, oh. and obviously a poor season didn't help off the pitch either, but yeah, neither did the move away from the Sydney Football Stadium. You know, but their crowds were pretty average last season, the same as a lot of clubs. Um, so what, what's Del Piero's legacy long term? Mm. Did, did he... You know, did he get rusted on fans in their thousands to stay with the club long term? I, I don't think he did. And the same with all the others. So they can be a short term sugar hit to, to spike people's interest. Sure. And I think they're a good thing and we should certainly invest in them. But longer term, there's got to be an awful lot more done uh, off the pitch to connect with communities. Too, too <clears throat> and just a final point on this. Yep. You know, one of the one of the ways we do that, and I've banged on about this for many, many years, is the actual construction of facilities. It's bricks and mortar. Mm. It's a sense of permanence in your community, training facilities, stadiums. We don't have enough of those things in, in the A-League. We move from ground to ground, you know, some 
clubs play four, five, six different home grounds every season. How can the fans forge any sort of an identity when you're on the road that much? Um, too often the pitches are full of rugby league markings or Aussie rules markings or cricket squares. You know, that that's not what we need long term. There's got to be that construction of a proper football culture. Dare I say it? like many clubs in the old NSL did. And it's to their eternal credit that they did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just before I let you go, uh, you touched on something that really burns inside me. Uh, there's a brand magnificent new stadium opening in Sydney very, very shortly. <coughs> yep. And, of course, the Matildas are there, correct? Uh, yes. But they're, they're game number three. And the first two games are Rugby League and Rugby Union. And what yep. do Rugby Union packs do to grounds? Mm. Don't stop. Well, did, did, George, did we honestly expect anything different? Oh, no. And uh, look, again, this is, you know, this is part of the challenge for our game. We have got to have much more of a voice at all those important governmental and diplomatic levels. Correct. And at the moment, we're still the outsider sport. And, you know, with, in fairness to politicians, they are of their society. They read the same papers as us. You know, they have the same interests as the mainstream. And by and large, that means rugby league. It means Aussie rules. It Mm. means cricket. Mm. And we're nowhere. So we've got to somehow, you know, make our voices heard. Now, we we started off by talking about this event I did in Brisbane last night. And Joan Pease, who's the part of the Labor government in in Queensland, Mm. Uh, got up and, and spoke very eloquently and, and beautifully about the brilliant impact that football was having on the Queensland economy and how many millions of dollars the game was bringing uh, into that particular state over the next 12 months. And we all stood there and thought, well, that's great. How good are we doing putting money in your bank account? Yeah. What are you doing for us? Thank you very much. Yeah, Where's our boutique stadium 20, in 24 hours later and the, uh, the Olympic funding's heading the direction there of we rugby? Go. Yeah. That's yeah. where it's yeah, going. It's, it's going to rugby league. Yeah. Don't stop me. Don't stop me. <laughs> uh, Simon Hill, as, as usual, <laughs> fantastically well done. Uh, listen, have a, have a good break, uh, and we look Thanks, forward guys. to catching up with you when you get back. And, uh, Thanks, guys. And, uh, and safe travels. Thank you very much. Good Come on, on City. <laughs> <laughs>